This is Vale Valley Partnerships, the Partnership Podcast, and we are so honored uh, to be joined, honestly, every time by all of our guests. We love being joined by all the different experts in different ways, talking about how we serve this community, the businesses of this community, and the people of this community, and uh, this next group of folks is pretty spectacular. Uh, we're talking to the crew from Speak Up, Reach Out. We've got Aaron Ivey uh, here on the podcast. Aaron's the executive director and just an awesome human being, and uh, Carol Johnson with Speak Up, Reach Out. She's the program and events over there. A little bit newer to the Speak Up Reach Out team, but uh, so excited to have both of these ladies on. Erin and Carol, how are you? Wonderful, thank you. I'm good. This is uh, exciting. Thanks for having me. Like like you're the new girl, Carol, but uh, you know, a a little bit newer to this organization. Yeah, I've only been here a little over a year. Uh, Prior to that, I was at Mountain Youth doing some mental health awareness through family programming. So it's been cool to expand my reach and work with Aaron and the amazing board of Speak Up, Reach Out to uh, spread suicide prevention awareness throughout Eagle County. This is awesome. This is something that uh, absolutely needs to happen, and we're going to talk all about it. This is Suicide Prevention Month. We just passed World Proof Suicide Prevention Day uh, not all that long ago. Uh, if you're listening, this uh, still in September. But um, Aaron, let's start with you, Executive Director the boss over there. And, uh, you know, we hear it over and over that, uh, that Eagle County is so prevalent. The suicide rates are so high in Eagle County um, uh, as you know, opposed to the entire United States. Is this something that's true? Or are we actually one of the top in the nation? So part of it is true. We are in the state of Colorado and specifically in Eagle County have a higher suicide rate than most of the United States. Um, we sit at about in Colorado at about 17 per 100,000. Um, deaths by suicide per year, and the average um, across the United States is about 11 deaths per uh, 100,000. And so, like I said, the state as a whole has a higher rate, uh, but here in Eagle County, we have um, historically had only about 10 deaths per year, except for a couple years where it was about twice that. And I think one of the things that is really important for people to understand is it's not just about the numbers, right? All of these numbers were human beings that were part of our community, part of our lives. And so it's, it's about the loss as a whole and how it impacts our community and the ripple effect that it has within a small, very connected community like ours. Um, we know that approximately 145 individuals are touched by each death. Um, by suicide. And so if you think about that in a small community, you probably at least know one of those 145 people who were directly impacted. There are lots of reasons why um, we see uh, behavioral health issues and suicide in our community, but um, it's always more than one thing that contributes to somebody's death as well. And I think that's another piece of the puzzle that people want to be able to say, oh, this person died by suicide because they broke up with their girlfriend or boyfriend, Um, or this person died by suicide because they were abusing um, substances. But it's really never any one thing. And so I just want to, you know, be very cognizant that it's not just about uh, suicide, um, but the ripple effect that it has with the country. I appreciate that too, because that is one of the things that uh, I think when people hear that initial statistic that suicide rates are higher in this county, that everyone kind of looks for, well, what is that silver bullet? What is the thing that is that is making it so difficult to live in this community? So the fact that you say that it's not 
one thing, that there are so many different contributing factors. And let's put it out on Front Street. What are some of these contributing factors that are maybe higher in mountain communities than say in other places in the United States? Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about a couple and then Carol, maybe you can add a few that, that you're more familiar with. But um, one is just access to behavioral health care. And we've done a great job in our community on increasing that access to behavioral health care over the last two years. But in rural communities, uh, people accessing behavioral health care can be a big barrier, um, whether they because they can't get there because of transportation or they can't afford it or it's just too far away or there's not enough clinicians. Um, so that's one. Another big one is that we have a mentality here where we live that um, if you just go outside and go for a walk, it's going to make everything better. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And the reality is that sometimes we need more than that. Um, it might look like peer support. It might look like clinical um, support. But those are a couple that I see very frequently here. And Carol, I don't know what else you would add. Um, there's lots. but <laughs> Well, I think stigma is a big thing. And that's that's everywhere, but it's really hard to have these conversations, especially when you weren't raised to have them. And so even though today's generation is learning that it's um, okay to be vulnerable, you know, if, if within the house, it's not okay to be vulnerable, it's, it's, you know, a lot of these conversations are being stifled. So we're trying to help everybody know it's, it's okay. It's like, let's, Let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable and um, let's have these conversations because having these conversations is what's going to heal us. You know, it's easy to talk about when you need surgery to fix a broken leg, but it's more difficult to talk about needing counseling uh, to fix your, your mental health issues such as anxiety or depression. Yeah, thank you for those. And that, that is, you know, and then it's, it's different in every uh, circle with people with some of those contributing factors, you know, the I think of one of the other pieces as being like this drive to succeed is is such a part of this valley. There's so many successful people. I mean, I'm staring at this screen right now, and uh, one of you has Olympian in their family. So uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a it's a place where people are highly successful. Sometimes when you don't hit those bars, that can really uh, bring people down. And Eric, I would add that some of the things that people maybe don't consider on a regular basis that are really prevalent here in our valley are just those basic needs, like having housing and having food security and making sure that um, people can thrive where they live um, is a really big part of this. And so just those basic needs really can make such a difference in how people feel like they can live their life. When we are, I'm sw switching directions just a little bit, uh, when we're looking at some of these suicide rates uh, that are across the states, are they, are they in certain demographics uh, are they are they a lot larger? Are they a lot smaller? Or does this kind of span all the demographics that we see in this county? Suicide definitely doesn't discriminate. Um, but I will say that in Colorado, we see the most death in the working age middle class man. Um, but we also see more attempts within the female demographic. Um, and so it's, again, there are lots of different pieces. Um, it's the second leading cause of death for individuals 10 to 24. Um, so that's our youth, that's our, our younger population. And um, it all, each of those different layers has different contributing factors and also different protective factors. That makes sense. Um, Carol, I know it, with programming events that uh, there are so many different offerings that you have for the community, uh, you know, partnering with Eagle Valley Behavioral Health and all the great stuff that you're putting out now. This is so important for our community. There's been so much coming from Speak Up, Reach Out, 
Uh, tell me some of the programs that, uh, that are out there that people can take advantage of. We were chatting briefly uh, before we talked that we said suicide. And Aaron, I really appreciate that. 145 people, that's an outstandingly huge and terrifying number. But that suicide's not just the one person there. There's so many people that are affected by it. Yeah, I mean, for every one death by suicide, so many others are affected. Um, the stat is 115 people. But in a smaller community such as ours, that's even more, um, more people are affected. And those, that, that's, that's information that you could learn when you take our question persuade refer class, um, QPR. And that class is a one hour course, which we would love for every single person in our community to take. We think it's as important as taking CPR because it has the potential to save a life. Um, and then, as I said, that's a beginner level, one hour class. We also have two to four hour classes specific to the workplace and for people working with youth. Um, Working Minds is the one for the workplace and um, mental health first aid and youth mental health first aid are, are great courses. And then if you really wanna um, become an expert in suicide prevention in terms of helping those around you and in your life, you can take our two day assist class, which the first day is a ton of information that you're learning and then the second day you're applying it in role-playing situations, which really gives um, the participant a ton of confidence for how to take that um, knowledge that they learned during the assist class and put it to work in their, in their life. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from recent participants that it's, they're seeing life in a different way and that it has been helpful. Um, and then we also have been bringing in speakers and showing documentaries. In fact, um, on October 7th, we have Tiffany Jenkins coming, who is a nationally acclaimed author and blogger. Uh, she is a recovering addict and she's also a mother of three and married and she brings a lot of raw humor and honesty and transparency to her story. I think it's a really important conversation for our community to have because mental health and substance uh, use disorder go hand in hand. Uh, we also have Dr. Bruce Perry coming in October as well and that'll be more of a child focused event. And in, on December 1st, we're excited to bring in um, Vinny Montez, who refers to himself as a comic cop. And it's going to be a men's mental health event. And, you know, as Aaron mentioned, we see a lot of deaths by suicide in that, that male target market. And so we, we want to address that through some awareness. Yeah. Even I consider myself somewhat aware of a male, but when you said men's mental health, like my first reaction there, I'm being super honest with you, transparency was like, I'm going to make some sort of joke about men's mental health or something like that. But no, that's, you know, that's, I think that happens too often where we pass it off. We don't need any help. I don't need any help with this, but yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me about how you're getting into the schools. Tell me about uh, how you're talking to youth. And the other part of that question is a father of three. I always bring my own lens to these podcasts. What uh, is it? Is there a spot where it's too young to talk to our kids about this? <laughs> so we're starting with fifth grade and we go all the way up to 12th grade. And our goal is to educate every um, fifth through 12th grader in our community, public and private. And we have a continuum of classes so that no grade is seeing the same program. So it's a unique program that we bring into each grade. And 
I think to answer your question, you know, it's a really great question. What, what is the youngest age you can talk about it? And as I was standing out this past Friday with my signs, my neighbor drove by with her, with her four-year-old. And um, she asked her mom, you know, what, what is Miss Carol doing out there? Why is she waving that? So why yeah. is she waving to everyone holding that sign? And my neighbor confided in me that she wasn't sure what to say. And so I talked to my sweet, dear little neighbor who's four and I said, so I work on, on people's brains, uh, brain health and making sure their brains are healthy. And I, you know, I think you can have conversations, age appropriate conversations that um, are vary from different age group to age group, but we do start with the fifth grade and uh, we believe it's a really important conversation to have and working in the prevention field as I have for the past six years, I think the more you talk about these topics, you know, the saying in prevention goes, the more, if you talk about things three to four years ahead of time, you can hopefully prevent unwanted behaviors later on. And so by talking about mental health and suicide and letting people know it's okay to talk about it, you can hopefully, if someone's confronted with it later on down the road, a youth, they'll, they'll have the skills and the confidence to know how to get help. That's awesome. Thank you. As a father, thank you. I mean, it depends on the kid too, right? I mean, there's some fifth graders that can't handle anything and some third graders that can handle everything, <laughs> as my third grader likes to tell me. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's uh, you, we talked about role play and how important that is. And it's not like I want to role play this because I don't want to, I don't ever make it comic and I can't help myself sometimes. But to Aaron, if I'm in a car with someone and I am worried that this person is depressed and is having those thoughts as an old youth pastor in town i've been in this car seat before where someone's sitting in the passenger seat beside me and even someone you know who was trained in religion and all that sort of stuff like i don't know what to say sometimes in that right moment how do you know what to say what would how do you go about that <laughs> a couple of things if you find yourself in a position where you're in a vehicle or, or anywhere with someone who maybe you're worried about um the, the best thing you can do is be direct um, and, and if you're not comfortable with being direct, that's what some of our classes are all about, is how to have this conversation and be a little bit more equipped to have the conversation. But the basics of it are this, that if you're worried about somebody, ask them direct questions. So if you have noticed the change in somebody's behavior, um, being very specific, I've noticed this change. I've noticed you're not sleeping as much. I noticed you're very angry all the time. Um, so I noticed what is, um, what is the behavior that you're seeing? And then expressing that you're worried about them. Um, I'm worried about you are, it may just be that, you know, starting to have the question about, uh, I'm worried about your mental health, but you can be as very direct as saying, I'm, I'm, are you thinking of suicide? Um, because when you ask direct questions, you get direct answers. A lot of times people don't want to ask that question because they're not sure what to do if they get the answer, yes. And so if somebody does say, yes, I am thinking of suicide, or if for some, um, it doesn't happen very much like this, but if somebody comes to you and says, look, I'm really struggling, I need help, um, I'm thinking of suicide, and they're just very blunt about it, the very first thing that you can say to someone is thank you. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for uh, believing in me to help you. Thank you for um, including me in, in how we move forward. Um, and then we start to work into the referral process. But active listening without trying to fix somebody is incredibly important in this space. So really, really just listening to what this person's truth is um, and then referring them. Again, you're not, you're not there to fix it. You're not there to um, make everything all better or be this person's um, clinician. 
you're there to refer them to help. Um, and that's what our classes teach as well. And so I think those are the, the main things and just letting them know you care. I'm here for you. I love you. Um, you're valued. Those things, those statements can be so incredibly helpful in a situation like this. I love the fact that oh, everything that you said was I, that you didn't put it on the person. You didn't say you're sleeping less. You didn't say you are angry all the time. You said, I've noticed, and I could be wrong, but, you know, but you're putting it on that person so that they get the chance to open up to you. That's, thank you for those techniques. You know, let me just, hey, let's put it on Front Street and be all super transparent. Back in the day, I remember, this is like 20 years ago, coming out like brand new youth pastor. Like, I remember the first question that we were supposed to ask if someone was, uh, you know, you thought they may be considering is you're supposed to ask, do you have a plan? Is that still part of that? That always made me feel a little strange because it's, I always didn't want to like, you know, help them out with a plan is what you'd sometimes feel like when you're asking that question. Yeah, I think it's really important to remember that for many people, just lay persons in the community, that that's probably not a conversation that you need to be having um, unless somebody's immediately like um, a threat to themselves with a, a weapon or some sort of means. Uh, at that time, you should be calling 911 and making sure to get people help through our law enforcement and co-response with the Hope Center. Um, and you can do that by calling 911. Um, it's best to do the active listening and then refer them to somebody who can help um, make that assessment around whether or not there's a plan and how do we safely plan to make sure that this individual has um, the coping skills that they need and the support that they need. Our assist class does go a little bit more into asking questions about a specific plan, um, but really we want you to get um, professionals involved as soon as possible. Thank you for that. And then, you know, we, you talked about uh, one of the biggest barriers to uh, mental health is the, the access to behavioral health care. But, uh, and, you know, it, boy, just a few years ago or even 10 years ago or however far, it would have been a completely different story in this valley. But the access to those behavioral health resources is pretty prevalent right now. For that person who may be listening to this podcast thinking like, all right, this, I do know someone that I would love to refer. What kind of resources? And Carol, you talked about a lot. Uh, that's there, but what's that step, Aaron, after you get out of the car or Carable? Yeah, so I think again, it's kind of a, a different layers depending on uh, how um, immediate the need is for care. So we talked about 911, but you can also just call the Hope Center directly um, with somebody in the room um, and have a conversation with their crisis clinicians, and that's 970 Hope. And they have 24-7 crisis clinicians available to talk to you um, and the person that's in crisis, or if you are the person in crisis, you can call them directly. Um, if they, maybe they answer that they're not thinking about suicide, but they've really been struggling and been pretty sad over the last few weeks and don't really know, you know, kind of what's next. Maybe they just need to see a therapist um, to work through some of those things. Again, you can always call the crisis line to have somebody get involved and do that immediate, immediate assessment. Um, but there's a find a therapist tool on Eagle Valley Behavioral Health's website that will let you pick different um, like specific issues that you might be dealing with. Maybe you're going through a divorce and you want to talk to somebody about that. Maybe you're going, maybe you know that um, you have been diagnosed with a mental illness and you want somebody who specializes in that mental illness type um, they have a whole bunch of different ways that you can find somebody who's right for you. 
They also have peer support, which I think is incredibly important. Not for everybody is clinical support something they're going to seek out, but talking to somebody who's gone through something similar or the same thing can be incredibly powerful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those resources, please. Carol, give me one or two more. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to emphasize that when we're in the schools talking to the kids about suicide prevention, we want to make sure they have a trusted adult. Because um, all those resources are great that Aaron mentioned, but might not necessarily be accessible to a youth. So we like to make sure that they, A, know what a trusted adult is, and that's someone who's in their life who listens without judgment and is kind and accepting and approachable and someone that they trust. Um, and that they have, you know, a, ideally more than one trusted adult in their life. But someone that they can go to if they're worried about either themselves or a friend, and then that person can get them to all those resources that Erin mentioned. So that whole concept, that whole notion of a trusted adult is extremely important in our, our um, school lessons. That's awesome. And I'm so glad that you're getting in there at the fifth grade and that's the absolute right time to start having those serious conversations as their brains are developing and they're starting to, you know, think creatively in different ways. What a what a, uh, what a service that you provide as, like I said, as, a, uh, as one who's tried to take care of people in this community and as a father in this community, thank you for all the incredible work you do. You have saved lives in this community. There are people that are living here that wouldn't be because of the work of Speak Up, Reach Out. And so we're going to shout that out and celebrate that anytime that we can. It is September. It is National Suicide Prevention Month, and there's all sorts of resources available uh, that you guys have, all the classes but uh, anything else you want to share with the public before we send those away? And all these, uh, by the way, for you listeners out there, um, we're going to put these resources in the description of this podcast. So you don't have to rewind and be like, what was that number, that 306 Hope? It was 306 Hope, but we're also going to put that in the description so that uh, you can uh, you can get that all that information. But anything else you want to tell the folks before we send them on? Yeah, if anybody wants to attend one of our trainings or wants to get involved with our organization through volunteering or to get more information and awareness to help themselves, you can find all of those resources at speakupreachout.org. And if you or someone you know is in crisis, please call Colorado Crisis Services or the Hope Center. That's 1-844-493-8255 or text TALK to 38255. There we go. Uh, again, that stuff's going to be in the bottom. You're like, oh, we're winding really quick, trying to write that down. We'll make sure that uh, you've got all that information there. And encouragement to the business community, too. Sometimes it seems like we talk about families and schools at this moment, but uh, there are so many different steps that you as a business owner and business leaders can take to help your employees as well. And those resources are available uh, at speakupreachout.org. Erin Ivey is the executive director. Carol Johnson's the bomb, and she does programs and events. They're both awesome folks, and uh, I love you guys so much. It's Thank you for all the time that uh, that uh, you'd spend with me today and for all the work that, uh, that you're doing. Thank you, Eric. All right. I'm sending it away. They've got great work to do, and we know you got other stuff to do. Thanks for listening to the Partnership Podcast.